Are you looking for some striking graphics to promote your next business idea? Use Lauren as we do for all your graphical needs. You can contact her on Twitter at L-O-Z-U-N-N-I-E. We use her for all of our graphics here at the Business and Games Podcast. Welcome to episode 003 of Business in Games, also known as the Big Podcast. I'm your host as always, Chris May Smith. In this show, we chat about anything gaming and tech, tackling the big and small business topics. For episode 004 today, I have with me Anthony Gareffa, the senior editor from Tweaktown. After six and a half years in the gig, previously working in retail IT, he's moved himself across to the journalism side. Anthony, mate, how are you today? Good, and you? Yeah, good, man. The uh, the weather's gotten gotten quite bad here in Melbourne all of a sudden. It's gotten quite cold. How's, how's it over in Adelaide? It's picture perfect, man. It's like 27 degrees Celsius today. Beautiful sun. It, I spent all day outside today. It's beautiful here today. And the next three days is like this as well. Oh, lucky man. Lucky man. We were, we were chatting a little bit off the microphone about, you know, what you do as the senior or slash lead editor at Tweaktown and, and what some of your passions are. Could you just run people through listening day to day, kind of what the topics you cover and, and maybe what you do day to day as the senior editor at Tweaktown? Okay, so day to day, it's it's a mixed bag. I try to give myself as much routine as I can in a job that doesn't have any routine, any routine as you would know yourself. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard because you got no one around to kind of motivate yourself. So I have to obviously try and motivate myself as much as I can. So I start the day off by uh, maybe reading as much as I can in in the topics that I think are going to be the most, uh, I guess, the most liked. Um, or the most accepted. So I'll, I'll just go and read as many sites as I can. I usually start off on, in the morning on my phone and then continue on my PC. Um, and then I just start, I, I, I probably give a tip. I used to try and get all the headlines and everything done first when I very first started. And then I slowed down to doing just two or three at once, I guess. Um, so every, every day is different though. If there's, if there's a big story, that'll change the entire flow of the day. Um, and then because I'm in Australia, but work for a US website, I start on my Monday morning. So my Monday is now Tuesday our time to get onto the Monday news. So every day is different. It's, and that's what I love about this job is that it's not the same thing every day, but you have to create routine out of that madness somehow. Yeah. And something I chatted to uh, Cam Simpson from Gizmodo, the editor over there, who's, you know, a bit more of, I say, a consumer tech website compared to Tweetown. And, you know, people who followed me a bit know that I've done some work for Tweetown in the past is very much more so an enthusiast, I guess you could say, PC Master Race uh, kind of website. How do you find the ability to switch off with tech being 24-7? Do you find that it's hard to allocate your time and do a nine to five, especially having a family as you do yourself? I, that would, that's a very good question. I, I know this is going to sound weird to people listening back to this. I pretty much don't take time off. Uh, it depends on launch periods. Like right now there's a big launch period with like the new 500 series from AMD. We just had the brand new GTX 1080 Ti from Nvidia. So there's some times when I can't balance that. So I will kind of like work really hard during the week um, and maybe do between 50 and sometimes a hundred hours during the week. Um, and then try and take some time off on the weekend, but it's, it's, there's never a day off. Like we've got phones these days, right? You know, back in 10 years ago, you could, you could switch off from your day, from your day job uh, when you got home, but now you've got, you've got social media responsibilities and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I generally don't take time off. I don't advise that, um, but it's, it's, it's a balancing act. So I, for me, I will try to do as much as I can when I'm, when I'm in front of my desk and I type really fast. So anyone that wants to do this job, type fast is a big, is a big thing, like hundred words a minute plus. Um, and then you can do a lot from your phone as well. Like uh, I use a lot of note keeping apps. 
um, like Google Keep, for example, Microsoft OneNote, and you can just leave notes for yourself. So sometimes I might read a headline on Facebook and I'll be like, oh yeah, go and check that story out later or, or I'll email myself a story. Um, so then I can kind of like balance my time a lot better uh, being away from my keyboard, for example. Yeah, and the, do you find that the nature of Tweaktown being rather global helps alleviate some of that pressure? Does that add, or does it add extra? I mean, for those who don't know too much about Tweaktown, a lot of the predominant amount of writers, I guess, are in Australia or have come from Australia. You know, it's owned by Cam Wilmot, who started it in high school, I believe, when he was quite young. And, you know, he's an Aussie that lived in Taiwan for a while and he's back. And you being the senior editor from South Australia, you know, you've had, I believe, Matthew Wu write for you a bit from Sydney. You know, you've had me from Melbourne write a bit and Sean Baker, who went from WA over to Taiwan as well. Do you, do you have some dedicated news people that can keep up with that flow in other countries? Uh, well, I think that that's where uh, a lot of people think because I'm the senior guy or the guy that you hear the most from, um, because obviously I'm very vocal with live streams and stuff like that um, and social media. They think that TweetSender is only Australian, um, where, but a lot of the founding kind of like, uh, I guess, power, like like you said, Sean and Cam, they both started off in Australia um, and then now I'm, I'm, I'm based in Australia. But we have a lot of writers around the world. So we have uh, pretty much three full-time kind of news writers. There's me and then there's Derek and then there's Lana. So Derek is in Florida. So he gets a lot of the traffic, you know, early in the morning through to the afternoon. And then Lana's in, um, uh, she's in in Europe. So then she gets a lot of the Europe traffic. So that kind of works out really well. We've kind of like eight hours each, um, which is, which works out really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, you know, it's, it's nothing new to people who followed you a bit that you travel a lot for work as well. Do you find that having these other news people help alleviate some of those issues of, of getting that coverage and that 24 seven kind of news and building the base while you're traveling or, or do you find that, um, you, you know, do you come across those issues of having to write content on the plane? Uh, I, I travel enough and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people that don't know me, I, I've, I, there's some months where I'm doing a hundred plus hours of travel. Uh, I used my plane time as me time. It's the only time when I'm not connected to the internet. So a lot of the time, unless I'm under, under extreme pressure where I need to have a review out, then I'll, I'll leave the plane to myself with the other guys and girls working for us. Um, it's good because then if I'm out traveling, I know that there's news always going to the website. And then because tweet sounds a global website and not just an Australian based kind of like tech site, we can have news going out 24 seven because we're getting, you know, every eight hours, you're kind of getting a new audience. You know, when I start work, I'm getting the, the people in the U S coming home from work. And then when I'm finished my, my kind of like my shift of news, then Derek's in the people that are waking up. Um, so it, it kind of works that well. And then when I'm traveling, I'm, I get back up from, from those guys as well. Yeah, and, and chatting about that news versus reviews, and this is something that Cam and I, uh, Campbell and I touched on a little bit when we chatted too. How do you view at Tweaktown the difference between, say, the news views and, and the news keeping the website tuning and the reviews to kind of bump up and, and get those company, you know, get those company advertising dollars in or, or get those companies interested in providing that real authoritative voice to the website? I think it's, it's, it's good. It's a, it's a balancing act um, because they're two very different uh, kind of standpoints, I guess. If you're doing a review, you might only be, you know, you might do three or four days of prep where you're using the product, you know, taking pictures, really like getting hands on with it. And then you'll write the review. Um, so you might have three or four days away from actually typing anything where news, as you know, is there's no stop. So when you're doing news and reviews, it's, it's very different. Um, but then I do agree. Like you said, you need, you need the advertising coming in from, from the company. So you need to write those, those reviews. Um, but then I think that it's kind of changed. And I think I feel what we'll talk about in the next couple of the next 20, 10, 20, 30 minutes, we'll, we'll kind of cover that 
is that you're you're seeing this big change already where the attention span of people is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And and I'm sure that we talked about it when you were writing for Tweet Town is that the news is something that is is a 24 hour thing where a reviewer is kind of like I see Tweet Town as like this once a day kind of thing like we've got a new review guys but then when you finish with that review you've got 24 more hours of news and then we've got another review so it kind of goes hand in hand you need both to survive and you cannot do one without the other yeah and the example that I used previously on on a real business kind of standpoint and a money standpoint is I guess the the news and and while I said that they do help provide that that constant um, almost marketing for themselves and they get people coming back to your website. They're really the bread and butter of selling the Google ad space of, of selling the ad space to companies and they're what pays the wages and brings that kind of thing in where I more see the reviews as I guess more fun coming from my experience, you know, reviews are something that's awesome because you get to try a new tech, but they're that kind of once a day, like you said, and once off that are almost like the investment money. They're the different things. I used the example of say a car workshop, um, some modified car workshops that I do a little bit of business work with as well. You know, they pay the wages and they pay the rent by servicing cars and doing the more quote unquote boring work. And then, you know, putting new turbos on cars and, and uh, upgrading cars and doing vinyl wraps on Lamborghinis and kind of things is more their play money and the things that they find interesting. Do you find I'll just, I'll just I'll pause you for a sec. That's before I want you to ask the answer this or say that question in a minute, but I like it how you just casually say that you're just putting vinyl wraps on a Lamborghini. <laughs> it's just like, Oh yeah. This, what, what did you know? Last Saturday, Chris. Oh yeah. It's played around with Lamborghini. Well, it's not, it's not me. It's people I know. I can, I can be honest with that. <laughs> I can be honest with that, but would you agree that, that, that there you go. Chris, on a, Chris on a first day. Oh yeah. I drive a Lamborghini. Not nah, someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> would you agree with that statement? I guess that it's kind of that news is the thing that really keeps the website churning and pays the bills where the reviews are. More no, so I, def- I, def- I definitely agree. No, I definitely agree. And I think that, I think that maybe, so I've been writing for Tweet Town for nearly well, six and a half, nearly seven years now. And I still remember when I very first started news with, uh, sorry, news reviews with the bread and butter. That's what attracted people to the site, but we didn't really have a 24 hour kind of news cycle with any of the mainstream tech sites. Mm. Um, and then when I came in, I didn't care. I'm like, I, and I'm, we talked about this a lot as well. I, I just wrote news, how I would want to read it and how I would want to see it written. So then I just use that kind of like, just that fresh hmm. kind of naive energy. I didn't care about ads and, and, you know, and clicks and all that. I just wrote content. Um, and I think that, I think that that's slowly changed. I think 10 years ago, you went to a website for the review because it was very unique, but the news you did, you didn't really care about because the industry wasn't moving that fast back then. Mm-hmm. Um, where now the news is the bread and butter. Like, look how many, uh, uh, I, if I had to split up my, my day, it's probably 60%, 50, 60% is, is graphics card, rev- just rumors, you know, NVIDIA's Volta, you know, AMD Radio and RX Vega. Um, that brings a lot of, um, a lot of like a, like a spotlight to the website. Uh, hmm. And if you were just doing a, a new, sorry if, you, sorry, if you were doing a, um, a review, you know, you're only going to bring that person to the website once versus if you're writing good enough news, you can bring people to the site five or 10 times a day. Um, and that's good for business. And then that's good for the readers as well. If the readers like what they're reading, they're going to come back to the website. Um, so I, I think, I think you need both. You need the reviews, you need the detailed stuff, but I think that news is becoming a very important part of it. And you're seeing that nearly every single tech site, the big boys included, um, like the Verge and gadget, Tom's hardware, um, Anantech, they're all doing daily news now, where if you went back six or seven years ago, probably weren't doing that. Yeah. It's all about consistency to build the brand. Right. And I guess news, news is something that you can see getting viral, you know, taking for example, two news articles that you wrote for Tweaktown, one being about 
North Korea leaning on the sun, I believe, and the other one being about GDA six being confirmed in yeah. development. And that's you know they're they're things that it's not going to happen every day. But if something goes viral like that, and and you're getting something out before someone like Unilad will will get all of their hits onto it, it's going to come in much more than say a GDX nine eighty Ti, which is now you know you you wouldn't read about that again. But you know when I was working no. at Tweaktown, we chatted about the fact that you get your report every week or every month from from Cam, the owner of Tweaktown, which would come back with your top stories, and that North Korea one would be near the top every single time. That North Korea one, I, I reposted that yesterday just as like a, a joke saying, oh, the, all the North Korea being in the in the headlines again. Um, I thought I'd repost the story from two and a half years ago because I wrote it in, I think, January 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, for the last three days, it's been the biggest story on Tweaktown. And it's like, how is this, how is this possible? Like, <laughs> but then you just, you just don't know. Like that story did, I think it was nearly six months of traffic in, in 24 hours. Um, so, you know, if, if, but if you didn't write news, like you wouldn't write a review or a, or a long opinion editorial or something like that, but a quick news story where you can kind of like, I see news stories as, as kind of like their own advertising in a way where you're just like, Hey guys, read this headline quickly, read these two or three paragraphs and see you later, mate, you're done. Um, news is very easy like that, but a North Korea story, for example, if you didn't write that in news, you would never even write that. Exactly. And, you know, it's nothing new to people who followed you that you are a real writing machine. You know, looking at looking just before we started recording this podcast at your author profile on Tweaktown, you do have 15,814 pieces of content written over the past 6.5 years in the gig at Tweaktown. So do you find that that high workload is set by yourself or is it really a demand from a fast moving industry? And that that's actually a question from John Dudley on the uh, esports and business Facebook group, Oceania. That was a really good question, which is something I was, I was saying to you before. I think that's a that's probably the, one of the best questions. I'm a hard worker, just personally. So I, in my retail job, I worked in a in a retail sales position, selling custom computers. So pretty much selling the stuff that I'm now reviewing, and I was doing six days a week, fifty hours a week. So for me, I, when I shifted to this, I didn't take it seriously for the first years. I'm like, no one makes money off working on the internet. Like this is just, this is just BS. This is some, not a scam, but like, there's no way I can turn this into a professional thing. Um, and then I just continued the, the high workload. I just, I just kept going and I didn't stop. And I think that that's the best advice. Like I get a lot of people asking me like, what can I do to get into the industry? Or, or how can I be like doing what you're doing? And it's like, just work but don't expect the results straight away we have this 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 the 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 millennials i guess they want this instant gratification from from work or from money and it's like if you just work hard and you just don't look back at like you know i've got fifteen thousand articles don't look at that and see that as your goal see your goal as 500 or even 100 or even 25 um and then just keep pushing those goals further um i think yeah going back to the question the high workload that's that's me but then the fast moving industry doesn't help in one way because it means I have to work more, but then it also helps me because it means that I have unlimited work, which is what I love. Yeah. I can write as much news as I want per day, or I can just write the minimum. So for me, I have never, ever done the minimum. I always strive to do more than that. Yeah. And I guess that's one advantage of the technology industry in, in the fact that Tweaktown is almost quite specific in the fact that it is a consumer, not, not so much a consumer tech website, but more, an enthusiast tech website. And in that niche, there's still so much to write about. You know, when I was working with Tweaktown, writing 10 news articles a day, you were writing 10 news articles a day as well. And, and we were able to space that out and, and still have tech to cover that was interesting and unique. And some would get lots of hits, some wouldn't get so many, but they're all still relevant. 
And, you know, you made a very good point there that, you know, it kind of doesn't help, but it kind of helps at the same time to, you know, be able to push that kind of stuff forward. And I guess touching on your role a bit more at Tweaktown, how would you describe your role as, I guess, almost a semi-freelancer compared to someone who's a wage full-time writer at a website like Tom's or, or Kotaku or Gizmodo? So I think my, for my role, I, I started off as a freelancer. It was very, very freelance where it was like, just do your job and I'll pay you at the end of the month to then becoming an integral part of, of the site. Um, I have the best boss in the world. I'm not sucking up. Cam is amazing. He has been there every step of the way for me. If I've ever needed help, he's turned into my best friend and a brother in a way. He's helped me through everything. Um, so I think that that makes a big part of it as well. If you've got a great boss, um, and then you, you, you want to be doing this, you want to be working more. Um, so I think it, it all comes down to the person. Every person is different. Everyone's going to have a different opinion on, on, on what they want to do, um, and how hard they want to do it as well. Yeah. And then I guess chatting on the boss versus writing aspect, how does the advertising work at Tweaktown? And that's something that we've chatted to a lot of the other guys about as well. Is there... Is that up to the writers to go out and start pitching to the companies or is that something that's only- Cam handles, Cam handles all of that, all of that. So that's one thing where, where the writers are very disconnected. I will talk to, to my, to the companies that I work with, like NVIDIA or AMD or Sapphire or Zotac or MSI. Um, but then I usually just, I, I pitch it in a way like, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, I want to do like this in 4K or this in 8K or this in triple 4K or whatever I'm doing. Um, but then Cam will hand, handle the, the advertising. So it's kind of good because that means- and I think a lot of people don't see that. They look at a YouTuber, like you look at the massive success that, that, that Linus Tech Tips or Jace Two Cent or, or whoever's had on the internet, and they have to be a jack of all trades, video, editing, writing, scripting, advertising, marketing, you know, it's so mm. much you have to do. Right? I think it's a good kind of disconnect to not have to do everything. I can just concentrate on doing the best that I can with content um, instead of having to worry about am I stepping over um, you know, a line of, am I stepping over a line of, of, of conduct or am I stepping over a line of, of, a, of a conflict of interest or something like that? But Cameron does a lot of that, which, which takes a lot off me. I can just write and just let, let my fingers type as fast as they can. Yeah, and you've mentioned quite a few times uh, during this episode of the big podcast about, about graphics cards companies. What would you say is your area of expertise? Is there a few different topics and how, how have you find that's evolved for you personally over the past, say five or 10 years? Uh, personally for, for the, for the topics of what I, what I love, like what drives me is definitely graphics cards. My online nickname is Anthony two, five, six, uh, which was born out of the original and first GeForce uh, graphics card, the GeForce two, five, six. Um, so for me, and I, before then I was into 3d effects and all that kind of stuff and, and all the way back to like the Amiga and, and stuff like that. So for me, it's definitely graphics cards, um, but I'm a, I'm a tech junkie. So smartphones, display technology, VR, CPUs, RAM, it's everything. But GPUs are definitely that, um, that big passion for me. Definitely the GPU side. We, we chatted a bit before about kind of getting a foothold into your industry and, and a few different ways that you can do so. Do you find that focusing on something that you're an absolute expert on is good for getting your foothold? And, and is that something you've done yourself? Or would you say that it's better to be a kind of almost jack of all trades and know a bit about every every aspect? I think that, I think that maybe not in the way where you said like if, if like for someone to get in, into the industry that they need to be an expert, someone that's just passionate about something that they know a little bit about it. Like if you know, a, say you, you're a gamer and, and you're always running, like you're in the latest games, like say player unknown battlegrounds and you're in the, these latest bleeding edge kind of games and, 
and you can write about like the different um, the patch updates and, and the way that the game runs and say you've run it on a, a couple of graphics cards. You don't need a 1080 Ti to write articles about these games. Um, I think that if you're just very passionate and that you can let that passion go into video or let that passion go into, uh, into an article, um, I think that that's what it is. So a lot of people come to me and like, oh my God, you must have had like 30 years of education to be able to write, you know, 15,000 articles. I barely finished high school and didn't go to TAFE or uni. All I do is just work hard. That's that's all people have to do. Like, I, and, I, and this isn't just for tech. This is just a general life thing. You, if you are passionate about something, don't let other people tell you that you can't do it. Try it. You know, if it's not, unless there's a, some kind of pyramid scheme where it's like, if you work for the tech site and you pay twenty thousand dollars, we'll let you write for us. Obviously, don't do that. But if you're just passionate about something, that's that's for me. Like, if someone wanted a job, I would take someone who is very passionate and is a good writer versus someone who is the most eloquent writer who does the best grammar, but then barely knows anything about the way that a GPU architecture operates, but then wants to write about graphics cards. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if you're just very passionate, like same for, for for Corsair, for example. You're not gonna. I'm I'm sure that if I went through all of the Corsair employees, I'm sure sixty to eighty percent of them are actually either gamers or know what they're talking about. But you still have these other companies, these massive companies out there that, that are employing people that really, like I've met plenty of people from NVIDIA, AMD, like many of the graphics card um, manufacturers as well. And it's like, do you game? Nope. Do you like graphics cards? Nope. What are you doing in this industry? Like it just doesn't make sense sometimes. Yeah. And, and you've kind of touched on that word passion quite a lot. And that's something that's come up with everything. I mean, you know, episode 001, we chatted to Tech City, who's who's kind of starting out his journey, I guess, on YouTube with, you know, over a hundred thousand subs and, you know, really having the experience of kicking it along there from, from started from the bottom and now we're here kind of thing. And, you know, I've chatted a bit to a guy who's basically a living meme, anything for views. And I've chatted to you and also Cam and, and the passion thing really keeps coming back quite a lot because it's, you know, it's nothing new that to a lot of people that this industry is still quite infant and you're not expecting to make, you know, a hundred to 300 grand out of the gates unless you're, you know, an investor in this kind of industry. So do you find that passion plays a massive role with most of the people you talk to across every role, ranging from PR to journo to social media manager? I think that I, I gravitate towards those people, um, towards the people that have passion. And I will, I will not make, make sure that I keep that relationship, but I'll make sure that that person gets time from me in terms of a bit like, I want to, I want to spend more time with that person because I can feel their passion. So that drives me. If I, if I'm talking to a company rep that's passionate about what they're selling, but they're not BSing me and it's just general passion. I love that. And I think that passion is, I think that we live in a world where, where it's like education trumps everything else. But for me, passion and, and uh, passion experience and just time can be just as not just as good because obviously if you want to be a doctor, you're going to go to university, but for this kind of stuff, like if you're, if you're, if you're passionate, that can drive so many different um, parts of you and your content. Yeah, and uh, going back once again to talk about you know the Linus, the Tech City, and those different kind of kind of different avenues of covering tech and doing tech journalism within the global scene. A question from Alex Walker once again on the uh, Oceania Esports and and Business Facebook group. He wanted to know, and I'll just read this one out because it's a little bit long. If Future Anthony was getting started today, would he advise himself to go to the writing slash website route? Or would he target YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, or any other social media instead? That's such a good question. And it's going to be impossible for me to answer perfectly. But if future Anthony was getting started today, would I advise myself to go writing website or video on social media? I think it would be video on social media, but I would still have a home base of writing. 
I think that a lot of people like um, you look at all the, the big uh, tech YouTubers, they don't have any kind of website that you can go to and their social media is generally not run by themselves. So you look at say some of the top tech, uh, tech YouTubers like Linus or, or Jay's two cents or anything like that. They don't have uh, a social media page, which is personally run by them. Um, so I think that if I started it, I think I'd want to be, uh, I'd definitely want to be in video and social media, but I'd have like a website that you can go to because I wouldn't be able to stop writing news. I don't see myself being able to stop writing news. I think that I'm too addicted to that. Too addicted to the, the 15K articles. How, yeah, got it. I mean, touching on that, how many articles would you write in a normal day when you're at home not traveling? Minimum six, minimum five or six per day, no matter if it's a Saturday or Sunday. Minimum five or six per day. And does that mean that, um, you know, the, the pressure of that stuff is alleviated a little bit by NDAs, you know, non-disclosure agreements. And for those people who are new listening to that, it basically means that, you know, a company, say me at Corsair, will will send an email to someone like Anthony and say, okay, we have a product that's coming out on this date. Here's all the information about it. Um, and then you as a journalist can pre-write an article and get that ready to publish. Unless it's not by a company like Corsair and it's by NVIDIA or AMD and they send you drivers at the last you know, seven hours of writing the article and you have to retest everything. So I, I don't know, to answer the question, does an NDA help? Yes, it does. Like Chris said, uh, I'm sure that he remembers the, the Computex, what was it 2014, 2015 crunch? No, oh, yeah. CES, when yeah. we, just, we just went out. No, it was Computex, sorry. When we oh. went absolutely <laughs> and had like 400 articles over like three or four days or something like that, where we just pre-wrote everything because we had NDAs and everything. Mm. Um, I think that for me, um, I think that I, I can't start my day without writing news and NDA stuff does help because you can prepare it, but then NDA stuff also, it's like, it drives an anxiety thing in me. It's like, have I got everything done? Is it all finished? Like, is something going to change? Am I going to get a last minute email or a message from someone? Um, but the NDA stuff definitely does help. Like Chris said, you can have uh, like a company email you and, and they'll be like, this is the product we're launching in, you know, one day or one month from now. Um, here's all the details. This is the NDA time that you have. That definitely helps. Um, but then I think that that's, that's something that it depends on the, like the category that you cover within a tech cycle. If you're someone that's doing CPU and motherboard and RAM, that's going to be a lot easier than someone that's doing um, daily news, for example, where it's like, I'm going to have my daily news and then the NDA stuff. Yeah, and speaking about, you know, the articles, six six per day is a lot of articles for someone who's writing this kind of industry, but also in the grand scheme of things, six is not a very big number. So how do you find that you create your personal filter to get through things? Because it's obvious that you will have, you know, millions, there's, there's a whole bunch of different graphics cards companies that will be contacting you every day now. There will be, you know, for me at Tweaktown when I was an audio editor, there was a unbelievable amount of random Amazon referral link people trying to say, you know, please test out my new speaker or, you know, there's always a new smartwatch launching out of, out of an Asian startup company and these kind of things. So how do you find your filter works with deciding what you're going to work on? Um, I, I think for me, uh, oh, I was going to say, don't tell anyone this, but kind of, kind of not, can't say that. Can I? <laughs> Um, so when I was a kid, I mean, very quickly, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know how many people would be listening to this that remember hyper magazine. Um, I remember reading hyper magazine and I used to cut out the images and the text from the, my favorite reviews. So like the games that I loved or the tech that I loved. And I'd put them in a binder when I was like nine years old. And I'm like, yep, this is my, like my personal binder of all the coolest things that I've read or seen. These are things I want. Um, so I think that I still use that like child kind of like mentality. I know it makes me sound so watered down, but I use that kind of like that excitement of, 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 of what I'm reading. So I might read 10 articles and I'm like, okay, 
I have X amount of hours, but remember I write six articles a day and new uh, and reviews and social media and video content. So once I've done my news, I kind of have to like divvy up that time. So I might read, I might have 10 um, uh, articles opened up in, in my web browser. And then I will then look through those and I will, I will just use my kind of like, uh, my kind of guiding kind of light where I'm like, okay, this article is going to, I think this article will do well. Or if I use a really good headline here, it's going to do well. Um, so there's kind of like a filter that I've over, over obviously thousands and thousands of articles. I know what the audience is generally going to want and, and what are they going to click on. Um, so it's kind of like you, you learn over time because especially with the analytics that you have in the background, you can look and be like, oh, look, you know, using that headline, I've got this many more hits or, or, or doing this at a certain time of the day um, or a certain time of the night or a certain, uh, a, certain, a certain kind of traffic that you're going after, like US traffic versus European traffic. So it's, you've got to use your own kind of um, filter, I guess. And again, that, that drives off of that passion thing. If you're passionate about what you're writing, you're going to know how to get that out in the best way that you can. Yeah, and for you, for you chatting about some of this information, what what websites besides Tweaktown would you trust to to get the best tech content from, and and would you suggest for other people to have a look at as well? Content, if you want really detailed stuff, uh, we do a lot of detailed stuff in terms of CPU motherboards um, and and storage, for example. But then there's sites that are like uh, like PC Perspective, where they do really deep dives into like GPU CPU architectures. Anand Tech, Ryan Smith is an amazing writer. Um, I like a lot of the YouTubers. I think that they can give you a lot of detailed information in a very casual way. So Dimitri from Hardware Canucks or Linus, um, uh, Linus Tech Tips, Jay's Two Cents, Paul's Hardware, Bitwit. A lot of those guys can enter in a lot of humor. And I think that, that breaks down a lot of these, what would otherwise seem like complicated walls or, or, or words and all these like different, especially when you're talking about GPUs, right? You're talking about transistors and VRAM and there's a billion things that make them work. And people just be like, does it run CSGO, lull? And they don't really know that there's so much detailed stuff. Like it's like driving a car and then saying, you know how it runs. You have no clue how the engine runs unless you're an engineer um, or a mechanic or something like that. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of websites. I, for me, it's, I, I use Feedly, um, which is, which is a massive source of my news. Um, you can add content into that very specifically and, and, and have it into like tech and gaming and stuff like that. So I have a lot of my favorite kind of sites in there. And then that kind of, starts to learn about how you click. So then you can start off with using something like Feedly um, and then you can, you can select the sources that you want. And then as you're going through your stories, it comes up with more sources. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a self-learning kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, where the internet is so big that I just go everywhere. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a fairly decent explanation to me. I, I mean, moving the topic across a little bit more, we see, and this is something that I chatted to Campbell a bit as well. We see a lot of journalism, journalism type people moving into kind of PR roles, you know, take myself from, from Tweaktown across the Corsair or someone like Matthew Wu, who a lot of the guys in the Australian scene know, you know, moving across from writing a lot for Next Media and Freelance and a bit for Tweaktown as well to, to a, to a Sue Settlement and MC and partners. Is that something that you find yourself doing? What would it take for you to move across from the media side to the PR end of things? a very large check that's like a million dollars. Um, no, I, I've thought about it. And so many people ask me, oh, you can move to a graphics card company. You can move to an AIB board partner. Um, I've had job of, uh, job offers uh, a couple of times over the last probably 18 months from AMD. Um, but I, 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 I think it's very flattering because the I'm 34. So the teenager, me in early 20s, me is like, you are a loser for not taking that job. But I, I'm very loyal. So then it would take a massive amount 
for me to be sway away from that. And then I think for me, because of news, it's an, and I'm sure you, you saw this as well, it's an instant gratif- like gratifying kind of thing where people will love your news or they'll write a comment like all that. Or you see tons of shares um, on Facebook. So you know that people love that stuff where I think if I went to a company like AMD or NVIDIA, unless I'm in a really high end position, it feels like you're just kind of, you're going to constantly be hitting bosses above you. Um, mm. And I think that I, I don't think I could do that where again, a, a lot of why I like my job is that I'm a freelance writer and Cameron is one of the most chilled out bosses. He, oh, I've probably talked to him once a week, maybe once, sometimes once every two weeks. Um, so that, I think that that's, that's a good part. If I worked at, if, if, if it was for another company, I'd love to go to AMD and NVIDIA, but I'd, I'd want to do, I want to work in a position where I could make massive changes um, and, and change, change, you know, the five, 10 year plan for those companies. I think I'd be like a technology evangelist in a way and not in a specific marketing role. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense to me. And I mean, moving, moving the discussion across a little bit more to reviews, which is obviously your passion and my passion. So I like talking about it. What's, uh, what's it like for you? And could you describe, I guess, the feeling or the process of when a product comes across that, just really blows your mind. It provides something that you don't necessarily expect or provides something that is really important to you or a good price point. Because, you know, it's obvious that people such as yourself, you have billions of products coming across your desk every day. You know, you've got boxes and boxes of video cards, you know, motherboards are set up for systems, mice, keyboards, etc. What is it like for you when a product comes in, you, you start to use it and you go, wow, like this is actually something that's really good compared to the day to day. All right, this is 3% faster. This has one more LED. I think that that's, that's actually a really good question. That's, that's something that I really love. And, and there's not many products like, you know, how many video cards I get. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So when, when something like a, like a new product comes in that really blows my mind, um, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's actually bad because you will get a product in and you've been writing, you know, like most products that you, that, that you're going to get are going to be pretty good. Like you're going to have some bad products, but most of them, especially video cards, you know, what, what makes a video card bad performance. So if you're reviewing a GTX 1070 and above, you know, it's going to be a good product. Um, so I think for me, when something really surprising comes in, it's good and bad. It's good that it's a surprising product. It's good that it's a, a, um, a fast product or, a, or if it's a chair, for example, it's a comfortable product, but then it's bad because then you want to, re- you're using all that passion and excitement in the review. And then it comes off as too glowing. So then it's like, it feels like you're being paid to say what you're saying, if you know what I mean. Mm. So then you kind of have to disconnect yourself. Like say when I've got the GTX 1080 Ti, I'm like, holy crap, this is like such a fast graphics card. It's, it's, it's pretty much Titan X performance for nearly half the price. You know, how do you come into a review not wanting to glow about it the entire time and just write like one, one page and just be like, it's faster than Titan X and cheaper. Go buy it. You know, you have to kind of like just convince them in a good way without sounding like you're selling out. So it's like, and you're not selling out, but you writing positive all the time. People think like I get so many people commenting on, on my stuff and it's like, your team green, your team red. Then it's like, I write a bad post about team red. And then the people that said I was team red, your team green and you're paying you. And it's like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Exactly. So I think it's, you kind of have to like, again, getting a really good product. It can be really, it's great, obviously, but then you have, that's when the professional person comes in that you have to put your hat on and be like, all right, this is, you know, reviewer Anthony now, like pick it apart. Um, I think when a good product comes in, it pushes me even more because it's like, all right, now you have to be this professional person who instead of, uh, I think I go in reverse when it's a really good product. If it's a kick-ass product from the outset and I know it's going to be a kick-ass product, for example, GTX 1080 Ti, I will then rip it apart. 
So I'll go, okay, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. But do those bad things sway me so much more? And, and if it's no, then you know that you've got something great. But a lot of people just be like, it's so fast. It's got triple fans. It needs to get an editor's choice award. And it's like, no, you just need to calm down. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, touching on some of these reviews that have blown you away as well, uh, what, what kind of products have become part of your day-to-day arsenal over the years? Is there any specific phones, monitors, TVs? Um, uh, monitors, ultra wide monitors are absolutely amazing. Uh, 3440 by 1440. I'm sitting in front of Samsung's, uh, brand new CF791, which is their quantum dot tech, um, display. That's amazing. Graphics cards are obviously great as well. Um, gaming chairs. A lot of people think that I can just get away with a normal office chair, uh, until you sit down on a comfortable chair. And especially when you, again, when a job like this, you're sitting down 90% of the time, unless I'm putting video cards in a machine or building a PC. Um, so definitely I, I probably a good, a good keyboard. So I'm using the keyboard that I won at your party at PAX Australia last year. Um, <laughs> that keyboard, what model is it? It is the, I'm flipping it over. So you probably hear the voice go weird. Um, it is the K70, the Corsair gaming K70. Um, I type probably 150, 160 words a minute. And that keyboard keeps up with me without starting a fire. Um, so probably like a keyboard monitor gaming chair, video cards. Cause they come in so often. I don't really care. And I have like 50 to hundred graphics cards laying around at any given time, mm. but definitely keyboard chair display. And amazing stuff. I mean, touching on the, touching on the video card aspect, how, how do you tackle a video card review? Is there a specific algorithm? Could you lay out a few dot points from start to finish or, or at least um, say how you would get through the first half or first third of the review in your mind? So video cards. So for example, I've just gotten all the uh, GTX 1080 Ti's. I've got about, I've got two founders editions and four custom cars now. So when they arrive, um, I generally know what, you know, when you get a founders edition card, I will, um, when you get, when I get a a founders edition card, what I'll do is I will do a full architectural breakdown. So I'll be like, you know, this is what it does new. This is how, um, this is the upgrade that it is. I'll do it. I'll do that as a beefy review. And then when I get the custom cards, I pretty much, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of you already know what to expect. So then I start breaking it down in other ways. It's like, this is the fan technology. This is the, this is the, the ARB partner, what they do. Um, so then from there, it's pretty much uh, throw it into the benchmarking kind of rig, let it benchmark in synthetic benchmarks and the gaming test. And then it's the real world gaming. Um, so a lot of, you'll find a lot of testers, I'll probably put it in like one machine. Um, but for me, I'll actually put graphics cards in, in the one machine to test it and do all my, my normal stats and, and my normal frames and stuff from, um, my power consumption. And then I'll put it into my normal everyday machine. And then I'll run it every day for a couple of days and, and test fans and, and uh, um, uh, fan configurations and like, um, uh, RGB LED settings and stuff like that. So it just depends. Everyone obviously has a different uh, a different method, but for 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 me, it's it's pretty straightforward. And it's and it's obvious that a lot of these things are things that you've learnt over you know the six and a half years and and fifteen k odd articles that you've written with Tweaktown and coming you know you you have come from an IT experience initially, but it is very different writing in journalism. Are there any are there any major say two or three points that you do differently in Tweaktown in year number six and seven compared to what you did in say one and two? One and two and three, even number four, were pretty much explorative. It was very, I was a noob and I took that, I, I was, I treated myself like I knew nothing in a way. So I was, I was trying to just make relationships and stuff like that. Um, and then it's actually, that's actually a really good question as well, because year five and six are so probably the end of 2014 through all of 2015 and all of last year. Um, it was, I started to see past that fog of like, what am I doing for the next couple of years? So I started to, uh, 
to do my normal routine, but then I was also making a lot of contacts within the industry. So I was, uh, end of 2014, I started reviewing graphics cards for Tweaktown. Um, so I started really beefing up the, the relationships between AMD and NVIDIA because I didn't know anyone from those companies. Um, so I find that the more time that I spend doing this job, and I, it's even hard to call it a job sometimes because it is pretty amazing. Um, but then I started making it very much more business where it's like, I will, I will have a lot of contacts. And then every time I go overseas, I make sure to keep up with those contacts because they're not, they're not just contacts anymore. They're my friends. So then it's like, like for you, for example, if I'm going to be somewhere, if I'm going to go to PAX, I'm going to catch up with you because it's not just, you're a business associate, but you're actually a friend of mine as well. Um, so I treat everyone that's in the industry as my friend. Um, I don't hold grudges unless something really bad has happened. Um, but for the most part, I think that that's probably the biggest change is that when I very first started this, um, I didn't know what to do and there's no training manual for this, right? Like you get, especially in this, in the, in the kind of like the freelance journalistic kind of side, there's no manual where it's like, all right, well, this is what you need to do every day. And this is, this is your path for the next 10 years. Um, you're learning. I learned everything myself. I came from 10 years of it retail. So I knew about the it, the it side, the tech side, the, the sales side, um, but it was a business and relationships and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's a very different world. So in the last probably year or two is definitely more, obviously like you've seen the trips that I've gone. Um, I think I did, I think 13 or 14 us trips last year, which is, which was huge. But for, for tweet town, you know, everyone got to see that tweet town was at every event, which is what I wanted. Um, everyone got to see that Anthony Greffa was at every event, which is what I wanted. Um, but that's, yeah, it, it just takes a long, it took a long time for me to see that. Yeah, and would you agree almost that it's it's kind of a a method of of anti learning? I guess, and that's something that I've heard before, where a lot of your learning comes through doing things wrong. You know, you mightn't necessarily know that. You know, you have to write your news first. You might have done that, but then that's really screwed you over for the month, and you haven't met your freelance personal target to be able to, you know, cover all your bills properly and put money away towards going on a holiday or anything like that. Would you agree that it's it's kind of almost a, a trial by fire, especially when you're the first person making the way in, not necessarily in the industry, because it's it's obvious that you're not the first news writer ever, but for a company such as Tweaktown. Oh no, definitely. I I I, I am one hundred. Every time, the whole time you were saying that, I was just nodding my head. Yes. Um, no, I, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think that you, you, you exactly a trial by fire. Like you, you, I, I had to make mistakes to learn exactly what, not exactly what I need to do, but to, to improve. And I think that a lot of, um, like, look at, look at the, look at the world that we're in right now. You look at Australia, just for example, um, you're, you know, you're taught finish school, go to uni, go get a job. And then you're going to be that person for the next 50 years. Um, where I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. People want to do that. That's fine. But, it's, but I think that we live in this age where you can learn so much off the internet and so much off YouTube and so much off other people um, that if you use some of those skills uh, in, 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 on the internet and, and as an entrepreneur or as a, as a social media expert or as an influencer or as a reviewer or, or a YouTuber or whatever you want to do, there's so many, so many you know, like, kind of like positions you can have now versus you know, if, I, if my dad was a doctor, I was a doctor. If my dad was a plumber, I was a plumber. Where now it's like, you can, you can literally be whatever you want as long as you've got a little bit of skill. Hmm. And I guess putting my self-help guru hat on for a second, <laughs> you know, you, you read on the internet, they've done some studies that it takes you about 10,000 hours to be an expert in something. And there's quite a few lots of 10,000 hours in a normal Australian's lifespan or a normal, you know, normal Western, Westerners lifespan, for example, to give a big, you know, analysis of who they studied. And that's a lot of things that you can be an expert in at a time. You know, you see a lot of people in the tech industry who've come from, 
completely different angles or have come from, you know, different things. For example, I do a little bit of mentoring as well. And, and you mentioned about, you know, using some of your contacts to grow yourself within the industry. So, you know, a bit of self-promotion, I guess. I've worked with a guy and helped him move from medical medical sales across to IT sales. And you find that a lot of that stuff you've learned outside of it actually applies directly. You know, he knows how to manage a customer relationship properly. He's been a gamer for a long time, so he does know about the aspects of tech. He just doesn't quite know about how the profit margins work in the industry or, you know, what the resellers are or how the distributor system works and things like that. So, you know, just like, as you said, there's plenty of things you can learn and sometimes you can chuck yourself in the deep end as you did and you can learn along fine. And I guess that's something pretty similar to what I did as well. But I mean, going back to you talking about traveling a lot, what makes a really good business trip for you? What makes a business trip successful for Anthony Greffer at Tweaktown? Uh, uh, upgrading to business class on an international flight. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably step number one. I've come to realize that's that definitely as well. Step yeah. number one. Um, no, I think it's what makes a good business trip. I don't know. For me, uh, I'm I'm very work hard, play hard. So I find that if I if I've worked really hard, like I might book an extra day or two on the end. So. You, you know, a good business trip can be, you know, I've done really good content. I have maybe secured another another person that might be interested in working with us more um, or I've strengthened a relationship. Um, for me, a successful trip can just be, even just being uh, being invited is a, is a successful trip in itself because not every person in the industry is invited. So you, you'd be surprised. Like, for example, um, I might go to an AMD or an NVIDIA event or, or wherever I am, like, say, uh, a GDC, the Game Developers Conference, um, and, and when you start seeing who's there and who's not there, you know, if, if all the biggest YouTubers aren't there, is it a successful trip for me? Well, I, you know, some people will be like, yes, it is because the biggest YouTubers that they watch aren't there, but Anthony from Tweaktown is. So it just depends for me. Is it a good trip? Then it all comes down to have I got good content up? Um, and if I've had fun as well, it's not all just business. Like if you're like, you, you know, what copy text is like, you know, you're working your 12, 15 hours during the day and then you're going to the parties or you're going out for a couple of drinks with some friends. Um, and that can be just, just as important. And most of the time more important than the actual work. And I'm using inverted commas that you can't see cause I'm just, you can only hear my voice that you might do work during the day, but then there's actually a ton of work that you can do just by, I'm sure in six weeks, we're probably going to have more to talk about between after the course air kind of like meeting that we have, than we will during the course air meeting because a lot of stuff can be done in a non-professional space. You can actually get down and get to know that person, knowing people in the industry and knowing like if they've got kids or they're married or they, they, they like, you know, they, they, they're a good cook or whatever, that that is more important and can be more successful to one of my trips than actually going and having amazing content that every other website probably already has up. Yeah. And it, I guess that's one thing that, that you and I have both talked about quite a lot is that having contacts within this industry is almost as important as, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and not getting a one spelling mistake or putting the wrong there <laughs> in your article, because yeah. we both know that people love to tear you apart in the comments if you make one spelling mistake. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yes. It's, and my, my, I was just telling my nephew, who Corey, who works with me, um, uh, I was saying, oh, you rip me apart every time I make a mistake or I do a spelling error. It's like, yeah, because you never do spelling errors. You never make a mistake. I'm like, you can't kick someone when they're down when like that. Like, <laughs> you're a dog, man. But still, like, but it's good. exactly the same. Like, you make a mistake and it's like everyone jumps on you. But then it's like you have all the success and no one ever talks you up. It's like everyone kind of like wants you to be on the ground and they'll, then they'll laugh. But 
I don't know. You got to take the good with the bad, but you know what commenters are like. It's all yeah. I, I still remember. I still remember the first thing that Cameron said to me when I very first started a tweet. And he's like, "Don't read the comments." And I'm someone who likes to, to to read from the comments to learn, you know, what people don't like. And then if I correct it, that person can't comment anymore, can they? If they're like, "I hate that you said this and you said it this way," it's like, well, if I correct that, and if you if you correct it, like that's another. That's actually a good a good thing. I'll I'll, I'll add is that always listen to your readers, always listen to your viewers. They are the ones that you owe. You do not owe the advertisers pretty much anything. Like obviously you do, but if you keep the readers and the listeners and the, and, the, and and your viewers on the, on number one, and they are your, like for me, my readers are the, my number one priority. I don't care about me. I don't care about Cam. If Cam is happy with my content, like which obviously if I'm doing my job right, then I don't need to worry about my boss. I worry about the readers. Um, if you're looking at comments and someone's like, you should do it this way, you should do it that way. I, I will, you'd be surprised how much I read the comments. I spend probably at least an hour a day going through comments on our Facebook um, and, and YouTube and, and wherever else. And I'll take in a lot of their considerations. Like you should add this to your reviews. You should add that. And if I get enough people, like say three to five people that are saying that, I'll be like, well, that's making, you know, they're standing out to me. So I'm going to do that. For me, the, all the readers and, and the viewers, they are the most important thing. And I think that that's what a lot of uh, the world, like look at uh, mainstream media and, and journalism these days, they're just doing it. They're not listening to what their viewers are saying. They want the views, but then when they drop, they don't understand why. And it's like, but if you're listening to your viewers, they want something different. They want something that they personally want. So that to me is a very, very big part of it is, is always being in tune with your listeners. Yeah. And expanding, yeah. And expanding on that. I mean, uh, personally, I find when I had a stint in media for 12, 18 months or so is that it, it is easy to have a disconnect from your viewers as well and get really caught yeah. up in, Oh geez, I need to make sure, you know, meeting as a freelancer um, and using it to pay my rent and, and help get me through my university degree. I was studying at the time. It was really Oh, you know, I need to chase up these company leads. Oh, I need to chat to Anthony and Cam about, you know, should I start reviewing gaming chairs or phones? And oh, I need to make sure my press releases are done and my articles are written and I'm I'm still doing this kind of stuff. And it's really important to sometimes go back and read the comments, as harsh and stupid as some of them can be. Um, you know, you generally find that they're worse on some mediums than others. It's good to prevent that disconnect because in the end, like you said, you're writing for someone else and they're, they're not paying for your service, but they're what pays the bills because they're the ads and, and that's the, you know, and the eyes are exactly what the company wants to get because in the end you're a, you're a company and the company has to make money. So, you know, you're trying to push that stuff through. And I guess, you know, talking about that travel a little bit more and I keep going back to that a lot because you said 15 trips, I believe, to the US last year. Does I, travel- think, I think it was 14, 15. 14, yeah. yeah. Does travel ever get old for you? Do you, do you find that, um, you know, you have a short me, I, I, I come from the perspective of I worked in, in a sales position for 10 years and never left the office. So... For me, when the opportunity comes up, I, I'm kind of like forward thinking, you know, what would 50-year-old Anthony or 60-year-old Anthony say to the 20 or 30-year-old Anthony that was able to go on those trips but never did? You know, if and, and now looking back on those trips, it was the most important decision that I've ever made because if I didn't go on those trips, I can guarantee you my life that I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the power that I have today within the industry. Like And, and power, it's not like I'm saying, ha, 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 I'm the new Linus. But it's like more like I, I can reach out to the to, to the heads of so many big companies, like say, for example, Corsair, AMD, NVIDIA, and I know people. I wouldn't know those people if I didn't go on those trips. Those trips are mega, mega important. It's like if it's like people go to if you go to a party, right? And, and you want to talk to someone, you know, you're not you, you, if you didn't go to the party, then you're not going to meet that person. But that person might be someone that in a year or two can help you. 
Um, yeah. and, and you, and especially in this industry, like, like for you, like I'm sure that when you're working tweet town, you knew people that, that, that were working for Corsair. So you had a leg up because you can be like, look, I'm already in the industry. Then they can look at your work and they can do that. Um, exactly. and they can, they can see you, but if you're not, for me, if I'm not traveling, um, then yeah, it, it becomes hard. So for me, it's, it's the time. Like if I travel and when I get back, I'll have two or three days where I'll write a little bit less. I'll still do my five or six, but I won't do any reviews. Um, and then I'll spend a lot of time with my, with my kids. Um, but I think that the traveling as much as it sucks, I have to do it. And then the way that I compromise is that I'm like, okay, I'm traveling. I'm away for maybe a week. Um, or maybe four or five days. But then when, when, when I'm home, I'm home because I work from home. If I was at a day, if I was at a day job and then I had to travel for this job, no way. I wouldn't be able to do a 50 hour week at a day job where, you know, add 10, 15 hours a week on traveling time. So see you working 65 hours a week and traveling, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, you know, touching on what you said just before, I remember in my, uh, interview with Corsair, I told them that I gave their Void RGB wireless headset an editor's choice. So obviously that's why I got the job because uh, <laughs> gave a good review at Tweaktown before. But yeah, I definitely want to mirror what you said about about leveraging, leveraging your contacts. Is, is I guess something that people chat about in a business type sense that sounds evil, but actually isn't. It's just the way the words sound, I guess, in the fact that you know, these contacts are made for a reason and it's great to have lots of friends all over the industry. And it's also great to know people because you can really get things done. You know, for example, for you, if you need a monitor for a test bench system, bam, you've got your contacts at LG or Samsung you can chat to. You know, I know that Corsair is a big supporter of Tweaktown as well. And when you need some test bench systems, you just have a chat to the US guys, bam. There's like I have, I have, you should see the boxes that I have on the way from you guys. I am building four new PCs, two Ryzen, uh, Ryzen 5, two Ryzen 5 PCs, two Core i5 PCs, and it's all Corsair hardware. So I'm getting like, every day it's like RAM, SSDs, uh, uh, cases. <laughs> Also, is a great supporter of ours. Box after box from from either Taipei or China, depending what factor it comes out of. It sounds like it's, it's that's insane. good. And I mean, touching on I mean, a yeah, sorry, you go ahead. Say on that subject of of knowing people, and it also works the other way around as well. Uh, I I had a, an industry friend that recently lost their job as a as a VP of a company, so pretty pretty decent position. And 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 at least uh, I'm able to offer the other thing the other way around. It's like. I said, if you ever need it, like you ever need some work for a couple of weeks or a couple of months to get yourself back in your feet, I'm here. Like you, you can come, you, know, you, can, you can get a job with us um, or at least do, we, we can talk at least. And I think that that's the other way as well. Like, it, and I think that the relationships are never one way. It's always two ways. And a lot of, and a lot, that's where the business evil side comes in. It's like, ha ha ha, I'm friends with you so I can leverage that later. It's, it's more like I'm friends with you and let's, let's benefit each other as much as we can. And it's not just that one way street. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm very like proactive in that way where it's like, whatever you can do for me, I'm going to do as much as I can to help you. So then it's constantly, instead of being like a one way street and then another, and then the information going back, I like it in that loop where it's a circle where it's like, I'll do this for you. You do this for me. I'll do this for you. And it just keeps going round and round. Yeah. And as, and as good in professionalism, uh, as good as professional as journalism in technology as a whole, I find personally, it's a great stepping stone. I did something similar. You know, I, I stopped working at Thermal Take, you know, I wanted to go back to university and and started off writing free techniques for a little bit and, and move across to Tweak 10 after that too. And it was a great opportunity to, and like you said, working from home, a great opportunity to do a job while I was training to do something else. And that's that was known the whole time that by Cam and, and you as well as the editor that I was at uni and, yep. you know, would focus as much of the time as I could while I was out of uni to writing. But you know, the end goal wasn't necessarily to be writing there forever. And it's a, it's a great stepping stone for someone with 
you know, decent English skills and experience to be out and a, and a love and passion of technology to be able to learn quickly, learn on your feet and, and make some great contacts within the industry. And we've seen a ton of people move over from media to PR. I mean, Harry Butler, the global head of PR for Corsair, he, he used to be a journalist before, um, you know, myself moving into PR marketing. I was a journalist for a period of time and a bunch of those people are moving across. And I guess that's why I asked you that question as well about what would it take for you to, to move across. And obviously the answer for you is a uh, million dollars sign on and Jensen's right hand man. It's what, <laughs> that's pretty, what it sounds like. Much. I want to wear his leather jacket everywhere. Drive his Tesla and wear his leather jacket. That sounds good to me. <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up. All right. Uh, and then I guess, you know, moving on to a bit more of a personal question as we're kind of wrapping up a little bit. One, once again, from Alex Walker, who's a, who's a journalist at Kotaku, another Australian, another Australian website. He wants to know from you, what is your, what is your favorite game that hasn't been remastered and, or should be remade slash rebooted of all time? I want to, I want to utter the words half-life, but I'm scared (laughs) if I say it that someone is going to hear it and be like, let's, let's trash that franchise. Um, no, for me, I'm, I'm a big, uh, half-life fan. Uh, I still remember buying the game in physical retail form when that was a thing on PC. Um, so maybe not, not remastered, but I'd like to see like a redone half-life, not rebooted, but not remastered kind of like in the middle. Um, and I love total annihilation. I don't know if, if, if yep. you have heard of that. Yeah. Um, I'd love, and they did Supreme commander and planetary annihilation, um, but they just weren't the same as, T- as TA. So probably Half-Life or TA. I'm a huge fan of, of those franchises. Yeah, it sounds decent to me. And then also, uh, where can people read your work and, and follow what you do? Uh, tweetown.com, uh, our Facebook page. So we, we are very, very powerful, not powerful, I should say, very proactive on Facebook. We're posting a lot of stuff there. Um, we're going to be moving into YouTube soon. I just bought a $10,000 4K camera. Um, so I'm looking forward to shooting stuff with that. Uh, but mainly Facebook, I do Facebook live streams there. And then obviously tweettown.com and at Anthony256 on Twitter as well, or at tweettown on Twitter. Yeah, perfect. And wrapping up, is there any, any special people you'd like to give a shout out to as well? Uh, my mum, God. Um, yeah. No, no one in, no one in particular, no one in particular, no, one in particular. no. um, no, probably my wife. Um, she, she I, I couldn't have done any of this without her because she's the best mum that I know to our kids. And I have to spend so much time working cam as well. His, I, I said at the beginning, he has been the best thing that's happened to me. Um, if I didn't meet him, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I'm only the person I am today because of that. Um, and then just a- anyone that knows me, I, I'm, I'm to me, all of my friends are kind of like family as well. I have a very small family. So to me, my closest friends are my family. Um, so, and, and, and all the readers, everyone that has ever, if they give praise towards Tweet Town or they, they say something bad towards Tweet Town. For me, I don't know, any, anyone that doesn't hate me is, is, I guess, a friend of mine. That sounds perfectly decent to me. All right. Thank you very much, Anthony, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to episode 004 of the Business in Games podcast. Who would you like us to chat to? You can let us know at Business in Games on Twitter or facebook.com forward slash Business in Games. You can also let us know some feedback about every episode, ask any questions or pitch any ideas yourself at the Oceania Esports and Gaming Business Group on Facebook. You can follow Anthony, the man himself, at Anthony256 on Twitter, or you can follow me, your host, at SmithyMay on Twitter or facebook.com forward slash SmithyMay. As always, I've been your host today, Chris Mayer-Smith. Thanks and bye for now.